Let's kick off this week with an interesting question. What's more important for Isaiah Land, the NFL Combine or the Senior Bowl? And Breon Whitley steals the show in yet another big game for Southern. Oh yeah, it's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked on HBCU podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked on podcast network, your team every day. And now, of course, I'm Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked on HBCU your first listen of the day every day you remember just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over it just means it's time to follow me on twitter at south exclusives don't forget the s on the end if you're on the audio side of things and today's episode is brought to you by linkedin linkedin helps you find the jobs or excuse me it finds the employees that you want to talk to and need to talk to faster just post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college that's linkedin.com slash locked on college and i want to start off today's episode and this week in general with a very interesting question to me, and that's what's more important for Isaiah Land, the NFL Combine or the Senior Bowl? Now, Isaiah Land is the guy who's on the tip of many people's tongue. He's a former Buck Buchanan Award winner, which means he's the best defender in FCS football in a given year. That year was 2021. So you know people are going to be talking about him, whether that's draft prospects or just best overall players, even when we knew he wasn't coming out in the draft. So Isaiah Land, let's just go ahead and set the scene. Isaiah Land is a 6'4", edge player out of FAMU who is 225. That sentence right there is why this is so important. Those two facets, both where he came from and then also his size, are going to be the defining factors of this conversation. So let's let's talk about why this is even a, a question, right? I don't want to say Isaiah Land is a lock, but I am pretty confident. I would say with about 90-ish percent confidence, I'll say that I think Isaiah Land gets drafted. It's his spot to lose type of situation. All he has to do is not mess it up. If we're on a scale of 0 to 100, if his offseason is just a 50, just even kill, not, not slightly below average or slightly above average, just right in the middle, and it's just shrugs, right? Just a eh, whatever type of offseason, I think he gets drafted. So that's why I say it's his to lose. He just has to perform badly. Now, I don't think he needs to blaze the combine or the senior bowl to get drafted, but blazing them can improve his draft stock. And that's what this is about. Which of these events is going to be better for his stock? Of course, I want to know what you guys think. So let me know in the comments below. Y'all going to do it anyway, but I just want to go ahead and encourage you guys to let me know the answer to this question in your view as well. So here's my thing about Isaiah Land, and this is why I say it's going to be a, a question for him about which event is more important. And it's not because he was a Buck Buchanan Award winner last year or 2021 and 2022. He wasn't able to do it. I think even with a really good season, unless he was the Buck Buchanan Award winner two times in a row, even with a really good season, these questions still would have been prevalent. He's an FCS prospect who just is not big. Overall, he's just a thinner player for his position period and those are going to be concerns for anybody there's people who will take him off of their board altogether simply because he's 225 pounds that's not big for an edge guy he's going to need to add weight 
And that's where the combine comes in. For me, the combine is going to be imperative because you need to show that you retain your athleticism while still putting on some weight. And the combine is going to be in late February, so he'll have time to put on some more weight. I think 240 is a great weight for him. If you can put on 15 pounds and still show that you can move, show with your 10-yard split, your shuttle, uh, your, your broad, your vertical jump, explosiveness, that's what's going to be important. 240 pounds is going to be really good. I think two, 235 is also pretty solid. I think that's a – I'm not looking for a playing weight for the rest of his career. I'm looking for a foundational weight, right? And I don't know if that's really a term, so I'm going to tell you what I mean by that because I don't know if it's really a thing. But foundational weight is basically show me that you can put on weight and, and still keep everything. Show me, because I know what you played at. If I know you played at 225 and I know what you looked like, I know what your explosiveness was like, and then you come in at 235 or 240, somewhere in that range, right, and you still look like you retain that same athleticism, then maybe I can put on some more some more weight. But I don't want you coming in at 225, and I feel like I want you at 250. But if you're at 235, 240, and I want you to be around 250, well, that's, that's not as bad. If you show up to the combine in February at 240, I've talked to you saying, man, we really want you around 250. So now you maybe you open up the year around 245, 247. That's, that's okay. I think that's pretty good. And honestly, I compare him to a guy like Alex Highsmith. Alex Highsmith, who a lot of people might not know, but you should be checking out Locked On uh, Steelers with my guy Chris Carter, HBCU alum, by the way. But you should check that out. He's a defensive or excuse me, an edge player and outside linebacker for Pittsburgh who runs a 3-4, which is what Land is going to need to be in. Land is a stand-up 3-4 outside linebacker. I don't think he'll have the weight or put on the weight to be an edge defender who puts his hand in the dirt in the NFL level. I just don't think that's what's in the cards for him. But I do think he can be really good as an edge 3-4 outside linebacker. That's what I think he'll excel at. So I bring it back to Alex Highsmith. Highsmith's 242 pounds. Land can get to 242. And not only is Highsmith 242 an edge, he's also a starter. He's also, I think he was top 10 in sacks this year. He played on the other side of TJ Watt, which helped, but he still started. And I don't know if we're talking about Isaiah Land being a, a, uh, a greatest of all time guy. That's way down the line. We're talking about him getting into the NFL and possibly starting and being an impact player. I think that 240 is a solid weight for that. So you're going to show those intangibles, show those things as a prospect, those things you can put down on paper that with weight, you can still keep some athleticism. And that's going to be big for you in the combine. However, the fact that we're talking about as a prospect is the reason I look at the senior bowl over everything, because he'll weigh in at the senior bowl. He'll probably do it tomorrow. If he hasn't already, by the time I released this episode, at the time recording it, he hasn't uh, weighed in. But they'll do weigh-ins, they'll get measurements, they'll do all of that at the, at this, uh, at the Senior Bowl. So we'll see what he is. He, he might be about 230. You know, he might have put on about five pounds. We'll see. That'll be something I'll be interested in. But he'll have more time to do it at the Combine. So I give the, a, the edge in the weight department to the Combine. But I want to look at Isaiah Land and what he can do on the field. There is a case that he might just be thin. 225 might just be the weight that he feels comfortable and is best at playing at. Because, yes, I want him to add some weight because I think it's necessary. But at the same time, what if that's just not in the car? What if that's just not him? You look at a guy like, I do think 240 is a weight he's going to need to be at, though. Right? Because I think he's an edge guy. But maybe that's just not him. Right? You look at Darius Leonard. There we go. Perfect example. Darius Leonard is not a big inside linebacker by any stretch of the means. Even when linebackers are getting smaller, he's not a big inside linebacker but he purposely chooses to play at that weight because that's what he feels like he's best at and he's been 
I'm sorry, Shaq Leonard now, Shaquille Leonard. Uh, but that's what he feels his best at, and that's what he's been able to be an all-pro playing at a lighter weight. Maybe that version is something close to Isaiah Land. I don't know. But at the Senior Bowl, he'll have a chance to prove that regardless from 225, 240, 230, somewhere in that range, I can play. You can quell some of the concerns about your weight if you go in there and say, yeah, even at 225, I'm putting the work on this Purdue tackle. Even at 225, I'm able to stop, I'm able to uh, penetrate the line. I'm able to get in not only pass rush situation, but then also stop in the run because he did have double-digit tackles for a loss in that Buck Buchanan Award season. So there's a lot of things that I feel like he can do in the senior bowl that are going to be more important than the combine because not only is weight important, but how you actually play with the weight. That's going to be important. That's something you're going to need to look at. He's going to get bigger, period. He's going to get bigger, whether that happens by February 25th or whenever the combine is, or if that happens by 2024. He's going to get bigger, and he'll have time. But if he can show that he can produce at the same level, you know, despite whatever the weight's going to be against some of the Power 5 guys, that's going to be more important than anything else that he'll do. And that's why I say the Senior Bowl is the more important event. You go ahead and let me know what you think. Is it the Senior Bowl or the NFL Combine? Which of these do you think is the more important event for Isaiah Land? And as we continue with today's episode of Locked on HBCU, we're going to be talking about the players in the NFL PA Bowl who really stood out and stole the show, mainly Emmanuel Wilson and then also Isaiah Bolden. Before we get into that, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. And FanDuel is our official sports book at the Locked On Network, and we're very excited. This is only a week into the partnership, and I love this, this partnership right here because we're going into the Super Bowl now, right? Joe Burrow and the Bengals lost. Brock Purdy got hurt, so it was kind of like mixed bag of quarterbacks in the 49ers lost. But now we get to see the Eagles versus the Chiefs, and I think this might be the best matchup, honestly. What do you think? Put your money down. Think, tell me who you think is going to win. We're two weeks away, so you have a little bit of time to think about it. But when you do finally come to your conclusion, there's only one place to make your wages at, and that is FanDuel. Make every moment more. And if you bet $5 at any time, you get $150 back in free bets if you're a new FanDuel user. That's right. Bet, make a $5 bet. That's it. And you get $150 in free bets. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more. As we keep on rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day. For your second listen of the day, check out Locked on NFL Draft because they're live from the Senior Bowl. They're going to have live shows Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 8 o'clock Central. So make sure you guys are tuned in for that. And if you can't make the time, just go ahead and catch it wherever you get your podcast, no matter where. You got to make sure you listen because you're going to need to learn about Isaiah Land and Aubrey Miller's performances at the Senior Bowl. And I want to talk about the NFLPA Bowl because there are more pre-draft bowls than just the Senior Bowl. We got the Shrine Bowl coming up, too, on Thursday with J.D. Kiss Bonds there. But we're going to talk about Emmanuel Wilson because he was labeled the most complete back all around at the NFLPA Bowl by Maurice Jones-Drew. And Maurice Jones-Drew, I do like. I think he's pretty sensible when I hear him give his takes. I think they're usually pretty solid. So if he's going to say he's the most complete back, I think that holds a lot of weight. And even the producers labeled Emmanuel Wilson as an impact player in this game. Now, they don't make the calls or anything, but you have to realize they watched all week of practice, and that's the conclusion that they came up with. Now, if they're calling him an impact player, what do you think the scouts are looking at? They have to see something similar, I would assume, right? I'm, I'm assuming it's not just the, the guy from off the street 
just saying, oh, well, Emmanuel Wilson is the impact player of this game. And that's coming before the game, not going after the game. That's coming into the game. So this is all based off the week of practice. So I would assume the scouts are seeing something at least impressive. He weighed in at 229 pounds, which is about right. He's going to be a bruiser. He's going to be a guy who's up the middle. And in his first run, he showed why he was an impact player. He showed why people were excited. Um, also, if they said he's complete back. That means he was also catching the ball in practice, which we didn't get to see in the, in the game. But that also probably means he was blocking as well. So all of those facets come into play. But he just ran the ball four times. Uh, his first his first carry was eight yards. He showed a nice amount of patience. He showed a nice amount of vision. And I thought it was a really nice run. It was one of the better runs that I had seen in my watching. So Emmanuel Wilson definitely had a good, a good performance. But then the other guy who had a really standout performance was Isaiah Bolden. And I think he might have had the play that just registered with me the most. The thing about corners is you really don't get to see them until they're attacked. However, we were on the goal line, and in the goal line, you get to see a lot more. You get to see basically the whole field. I don't know why they changed the angle when it comes to the goal line. I'm lying. It's just because it's less field. It's the, it's the fact they go deeper. Brain fart, but it's okay. So Isaiah Bolden, kick returner, showed well in practice, had an eight-yard kick return, not too much in the game. He also had a really nice pass breakup that was the highlight to me. And that was a play where they're on the they're on the goal line. He passes off the slant. He's eyeing the flat defend the flat receiver, excuse me, but then also keeping his eyes on the quarterback. You could tell he was trying to bait the quarterback into making that throw. You could tell that if he made the throw, he said, Yeah, I'm a kick return. I got a little acceleration. I'm a I'm a burst on this. So quarterback smart enough didn't do it. He's scrambling, still keeping his eyes, but then Bolden realizes, okay, this flat receiver has now climbed to the back of the end zone. I need to flip my hips, turn around completely, which meant he had to have his back to the quarterback at this point. He had his back to the quarterback, located the receiver as he was coming back towards the ball and fought through the hands to make the pass breakup. It was a play that was exceptional. It was a play that kind of reinforced what people had said about him during this practice. They say, yeah, he has safety experience and we know about it. However, this is Emory Hunt, I believe, said this. But however, he also showed that he can be an outside corner at the next level. That's exactly what you're going for. That is exactly what you are going for. Now let's talk about two players who they there was a little bit more minimal action from them. You know, Kamari Avery. Kamari Avery didn't catch a pass in this game, but he did have a good block, which was important because we did, you know, that was the highlight play. He had a pretty good block. It was important because Gerald Huggins came on the show and he talked about how, look, man, this dude's 6'6", 250, 260. You're going to need to be able to block. So showing that he could put somebody in the dirt was going to be an important aspect of his game. So I'm glad that he was able to do that. And he had enough receiving uh, plays during practice where, you know, they were like, man, this guy is really good in the 7-on-7 seven -seven periods, really good in the team periods, especially getting, you could tell he's a mismatch on linebackers. I mean, he's 260. He's bigger than some of these guys. You know, he's 6'6". Six -six. He, he's, he towers over a lot of these guys. So he was able to do that in practice, but he just didn't have any catches. And then Darius Hagans, um, it was a rough day for him. Two, two carries, no yards. However, his highlight will still be that big-time wheel route where he absolutely burned that linebacker. I haven't heard too much chatter about him. But unfortunately, you know, that's just how it goes. You can't hear about everybody. But there was one guy who I heard about despite not playing in the game. And that's Keenan Isaac, the cornerback out of or the defensive back in general out of Alabama State. Because I don't want to just put him into a box. I think he can be on both levels in the next, you know, in the NFL. But Keenan Isaac, he didn't play in the game. But he did show a big time in the in the one-on-ones, uh, -on in the practice. You saw it. He looked great. In every one-on-one -on -one rep I saw, he never looked out of position. He never looked like he was outmatched and that was something that was backed up once again by Emory Hunt who was present at the NFLPA Bowl 
And it was one where he said this. He basically said that Isaiah, or excuse me, not Isaiah Bowden, but Kenan Isaac showed a lot of polish. And the reason that Isaac showing polish is important is because when you look at FCS prospects, a lot of times, if you're not a top two round player, even, in, even when you are a top two round player, you still kind of get labeled that project player. You still get kind of labeled that, oh, he's super raw, but we can work with him. And there's nothing wrong with that. They're like, there's many players who I would take who I believe, oh, they're raw prospects, but I think they can become something. But a lot of times, FCS players fall into that category. If you say that he has polish and you've seen it in the one-on-ones, maybe he's not so much of a, of, a, uh, of a project player. Maybe he's somebody who just is a solid cornerback, somebody who just is a solid press man coverage guy and that's where they said he excelled they showed the length the 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 long wingspan and also just the ball awareness it wasn't just oh he's got god-given size and that's why he's good at one-on-ones no he had good press skills he had good feet he had good ball awareness this guy really showed what he could be in the one-on-ones and it was to a point to where i believe even if he didn't or even though he didn't play in this game He'll still be a talking point for many going out of this one week of practice. So shout out to Keenan Isaac, Isaiah Bolden, and then also Emmanuel Wilson, who I really thought showed up the biggest of the players. And I know that's three out of five, but they really did show up regardless of where they went to school and got a lot of praise from not only the the journalists who were there, but then also the commentators and the former NFL players who are highlighting what they could be and what they showed in their week of practice. And going forward, we're going to talk about a guy who's done it again. Breon Whitley. I don't know what it is about this guy, but he has a knack in performing in big time games for Southern. Let me define what I think a big time game is as well and tell you why I think he showed up in all two of them for Southern as we continue with Locked on HBCU. And that's wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU. I told you once, I'll tell you again, and I'll tell you again and again. Breon Whitley has done it again. He has shown up in a big-time game for the Southern Jaguars and really been the star and stole the show when well, you're talking about Southern in another big matchup. To me, because I feel like I need to define this, to me, Southern has played two big-time games. A lot of people might not agree with that, but to me, they've only played two big time games and Breon Whitley has shown up in each of these games. But let me tell you why it's only two, because some people might say California. Their win over California is not a big time game to me. It's a big time win. To me, there's a difference because, you know, I'll even argue more that the Texas Southern game was a big time game for the Southern Jaguars, even though I don't think it was. I think you look at preseason one. In preseason three in the SWAC, going against each other in the first game of the season, that's more of a big-time game feel to me. Man, let me tell you why I don't think either one. California, that's not even part of the Pac-12 SWAC Legacy Series. That was just another out-of-conference game that you're going to play against a big-time school, a big school, a Power 5 school. That's it. If they lose that game, are we even talking about that game? No. That game is relatively irrelevant. There's no importance placed upon that game. There's nothing to signify that I should put more eyes on that game, at least with the legacy Pac-12, the Pac-12 Swag Legacy Series, at least in those matchups, I can at least say, you know what? This has a title around it. Nobody would have cared if, if Southern didn't beat California, but they did win, and that's why it's a big-time win. Texas Southern, it had big-time feels, I guess, but there's just so many games in Swag Basketball that it being the season opener isn't enough. But I could understand why you would put it there. I just don't because win or lose, it wasn't going to really 
mean too much. It wasn't a fight for supremacy or anything of that nature. I didn't even label it like that. To me, a big time game is one that has a level of importance, win or lose. That's what a big time game is for me. Maybe you're coming to the end of the game, the end of the season, and you have to win this game in order to be the number one seed. Even if it's against the worst team in the conference, that's a big time game. That Grambling game, that Alcorn game, those are the big time matchups that I feel like Southern has had. Because no matter what happened, win or lose, the outcome was going to be important. It's not a big time game if only if you win it's important, right? There has to be something on the line, something, right? I don't care what it is. There has to be something on the line for it to be a big-time matchup. Every game is not a big-time game, period. You want to win every game, but just wanting to win and, and adding one win in your win column instead of your loss column, that's not having something to lose. That's not enough importance for me to say this is a big-time game. That Grambling game and that Alcorn game, those are big-time games because Grambling is Grambling. Even if there was nothing else on the line, that's a rivalry game. That's a big-time matchup. No matter what the records are, any rivalry game goes into the big game category. And then you also look at this Alcorn game. They needed that to stay on top. You lose that game, you are no longer the number one uh, ranked team in the conference. Same with uh, Grambling, but I think there was actually going to be a tie in that aspect that they had lost. So you got to have something that's actually on the line. Against Grambling, there wasn't both of those games. Against Grambling. You see, Breon Whitley had 32 points. That was third most by any player all season in a singular game at that point. Showed up, dropping him from three. Five of 11 from three. 32 points. Got active inside the arc. Got active at the free throw line. You saw that he made pivotal plays that led to them winning that game. So when a big time moment came up, who you think showed up? He was the guy who was the star. Him and PJ Bird. And it, or, yeah, PJ Bird. And it's not often that you see those two guys as the man. You know, especially Burry, he's more of the facilitator. He's not often going to be your second leading scorer. But Whitley, he's shown he can put up points regularly. 32 points was different. He had never scored 32. So now you go to this Alcorn game, which is just this weekend. And in this game, he had 27 points. And y'all know I value players who show up in big-time moments. That's just something about me. I said it in football, it remains true in basketball. If you can show up in big-time moments, I'm always going to place a precedent on that intangible that aspect that uh that just part of the game because everybody can't do it not everybody rises to the moment Breon Whitley has rose to the moment in the two big time games against Alcorn he has 27 points and it's a little bit less than 32 of course but it was way more efficient instead of putting up 21 shots he put up 14 made nine instead of 11 that's nearly the same amount of makes on significantly less attempts and then also he was way more dependent on the three in this game. So he shot from three, seven of 12. Better percentage yet again. He only took two shots inside three-point, uh, excuse me, he only took two shots that weren't in three-point range. In those two shots he made, he didn't have as many trips to the free throw line. So it was a different type of game from Grambling to Alcorn. But still, Breon Whitley of the Southern Jaguars showed up. 32 points, 27 points. Got boards. Got a couple of assists in, in both games, if I'm not mistaken. This was a guy who, when the chips were on the line, when everything was here, he showed up. He delivered. And I don't know what it is, but it's a trend that I'll be interested to see if it continues in every game except for a TSU game. And I don't care. I'm going to throw my bias in every single time. But on a serious note, Breon Willie has been a stud. 32 points, 27 points. His two highest point totals of the season have came in the two biggest games of the season for the Southern Jaguars. I don't think that's a coincidence. I think it's time to label Breon Whitley as a big-time player. 
And when we wrap, excuse me, and I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day as we're wrapping up the episode. For your second listen, check out Locked On NFL Draft. You have the Senior Bowl coverage. They're going to be live from Mobile. So make sure you guys are checking that out. And that's on any platform that you listen to podcasts, including this one right here on tomorrow's episode, we're going to be breaking down a big-time matchup between Morgan State and Maryland Eastern Shore. That goes down tonight. MEAC basketball is still popping, so make sure you come in here to recap it. In the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care, stay blessed. Peace.